Hello, my rebels. I think it's pretty obvious. Uh, we got to clean out the fridge. You know, the back part where you leave a sandwich and you sort of forget about it for a month. We got to clean the fridge out. And I'm talking about Andrew Shear. Oh, my God, has he passed his best before date. But his latest two scandals, he has got to go. Aaron O'Toole has got to kick him out. I'll make the case for it today. Andrew Shear, that little grifter, let him recede into history as the footnote that he is rather than become a albatross around the neck of the party, to paraphrase Peter McKay. I'll get into it in a moment, but first let me invite you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. You get the video version of this podcast. It's only eight bucks a month, 80 bucks for the whole year. That's a bargain. Go to rebelnews.com and click subscribe. You also get Sheila Gunn-Reed's show, David Menzies' show included, and the satisfaction of knowing you're keeping us strong. Okay, here's today's podcast. Tonight, Andrew Scheer is caught in two more corruption scandals. It's time for Aaron O'Toole to cut him loose. It's November 18th and you're watching The Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. Hey, do you remember why Andrew Scheer was finally kicked out as the leader of the Conservative Party of Canada? It wasn't because he lost the last federal election, literally seizing defeat from the jaws of victory. A corrupt prime minister, Justin Trudeau, caught firing his justice minister because she wouldn't let Trudeau's wealthy, corrupt friends at SNC-Lavalin off the hook. The whole blackface fiasco, disasters on every file. I mean, just take China alone. China has held two Canadian hostages for almost two years now. It was almost a year back during the election campaign. Trudeau's submissiveness on China alone is a scandal you might topple a government over. And Andrew Scheer flubbed it. What an idiot. He stood for nothing. He didn't challenge Trudeau on anything important. He didn't make the case. And he sure didn't take on the media party. In fact, the only thing even close to Butch that Scheer did was having our reporter, David Menzies, perhaps the most fair reporter towards conservatives in the country. Scheer had Menzies, David Menzies, handcuffed for attending a public campaign press conference. Remember that? As this is not a public event and you're not accredited media, so we're going to ask you to leave this. How do you get to be accredited media? Uh, you need to be accredited by the campaign. You're not accredited media, so we're going to ask you to leave, please. And why is that? Uh, you're not accredited media. This is a private event. We are going to ask you to leave. Well, you keep saying that, but why am no, I'm I not, not doing an interview right here right now? You can get in touch with our press well, office. Well, that's what I was invited for. You, so you were like... not actually not invited. You are not accredited okay, media. Then. We're going to ask you to leave. You can get in touch with the press office and uh, get learn more about our. Is this the Andrew Shear event or the Justin Trudeau event? Uh, Mr. Menzies, I'm going to ask yeah. you to leave, please. You're not accredited. What is he announcing that you don't want? Who are you, by the way? I'm uh, with the campaign. You're welcome to step outside here. I'll stay here. I'm just I'm just trying to get a, uh, uh, move, sir. an answer. Move, Excuse me. Excuse me. Listen, I know I'm not part of Jerry Diaz's uniform union, but it'd be nice if uh, you gentlemen, lady, would be uh, give some uh, solidarity. Can I not talk to these uh, members of the press? Do, do we have 
we have freedom of press here? Do we or not? I'm serious. Justin Trudeau is mean to us, but he never actually put us in handcuffs like Andrew Scheer did. I mean, Scheer's campaign manager, Hamish Marshall, was a founder of Rebel News. More than half of conservative MPs are Rebel News subscribers or supporters. But that cowardly lion, Andrew Scheer, thought that if he marginalized us, it would make the Wendy Mesleys and the Rosemary Bartons of the world like him. So that's what he did. He gave the CBC and the rest of the media party his lunch money. Even after Rosemary Barton literally sued Andrew Scheer in the middle of the campaign, Scheer still submitted to her. I'll be honest, he deserved to lose. It's just the rest of us in Canada that didn't deserve to be punished with a second Trudeau term. What an awful memory. But do you remember what it was that actually finally threw Scheer overboard? It was graft and grift. It wasn't that he lost a winnable election, that he screwed up for all of us. It's, uh, you know, he, he didn't define himself. He, he was afraid of his own shadow. He was a poor campaigner. He didn't know how to fight for himself, let alone others. It wasn't any of those things. I mean, he's a loser, but that wasn't it. He's a loser in the dictionary definition of the term he lost. That's not why he was thrown out of the party. It's that he was found pocketing donations to the Conservative Party to pay for his children's fancy schools. Hey, I'm all for getting your kids to good schools. Get them out of the government schools, yes. But why did he make donors to the Conservative Party of Canada pay for that? They thought they were donating to win an election. As the leader of the opposition, he was making just under $270,000 a year. There's no school you can't afford with that kind of dough. But unlike you and me, he also had a free house with servants, actually. It's called Stornoway. It's the official residence for opposition leaders. So that 270 large was on top of his living expenses. And his travel was covered. And he got to keep millions of air miles for free trips for the family. Of course, he also used private jets for his family whenever he could, including for his wife and kids. You're making more than a quarter mil a year. You have a free house. Your number one expense is just gone. You got servants. You got free food at that house. You have no normal expenses in life, but you still insist that party money, the $10 and $25 checks to the Conservative Party of Canada, you insist that those be secretly paid to you to cover your kid's school? You know, we've got a word for such a man. That word is liberal. It was that that had him dethroned in the end. But of course, he immediately backtracked after saying he'd resigned. He said he'd quit, but then he didn't quit. He's a trickster. He's a grifter. He stayed on as the official leader of the opposition as long as possible. What? You didn't think he was going to actually move out of that free house and leave the servants and the double salary one minute earlier than he had to do, do you? No, no, no. He stayed in there after he quit. Finally, he was replaced by Aaron O'Toole. And I hope Aaron O'Toole does well. Now, former party leaders often know it's time to exit the stage. Stephen Harper didn't stick around long. Party leaders have their chance, and then they move on. But again, not Andrew Scheer. He's sticking around because really, what is he qualified to do in life? Uh, Stephen Harper's in high demand all around the world. People want to know what he thinks. No one cares what Andrew Scheer thinks. No one knows. No one cares. Now, don't tell me Andrew Scheer can go and sell insurance, as we learned that. 
sort of faked those credentials too. He actually wasn't even licensed. I don't think he's done anything else in life. So what can he do? Aaron O'Toole threw him a bone and appointed him critic for infrastructure and communities. Did you even know that? I didn't, and I like to think I follow politics fairly closely. I had to look it up because Andrew Scheer has not done much this past year in the way of work. Oh, he's accepted his paychecks, but other than that, I mean. Compare him to, say, Pierre Polyev. Pierre Polyev is fighting the good fight every day. There are a handful of conservative MPs and senators that I know what they're up to because they're fighting so hard. Not lazy, Andrew. But fine, he deserves his irrelevance. I mean, he's got about five seconds left in his 15 minutes of fame. But then look at this. Boom! Andrew Scheer had used public funds to hire his sister-in-law. What a sneaky little grifter. He's putting his family on the public payroll. He just couldn't help himself. He just kept stuffing our government money, our taxpayers' money, into his family's pockets. That is so gross. But it's extra gross from a conservative MP. The timing was perfect, though. It was right when the conservatives had the liberals on the run because one of their liberal MPs illegally hired her sister, crooked liberals, always stealing from the public, absolutely on brand for the Lebranos, except, boom, you know what? The liberals kicked her out of the caucus. Yasmin Ritanzi is so corrupt, they kicked her out. Not only did Andrew Scheer's grifting family derail that media narrative and take the heat off the liberals, but it put Aaron O'Toole in a bind. Would he match Justin Trudeau's ethics of firing Scheer? Well, he didn't. Andrew Scheer has stayed not only in the Conservative caucus and the Conservative Party, but he kept his lazy infrastructure gig. He kept the title, really. I mean, he's not doing much of the work. But like the Liberal MP, Andrew Scheer fired his sister-in-law because he was caught. He knew it was wrong all along, and he admitted that by firing her. But hang on, hang on, look at this news. Oh my God, he didn't just hire his sister-in-law. He actually hired his own sister when he was the Speaker of the House. Is there any member of the family who he didn't set up with a sweet, sweet little nepotistic gig? The purpose of the Conservatives isn't just to replace the Liberal cronies with their own cronies. That's not why we're all fighting these fights it's not just red team, blue team, no difference. There's supposed to be a difference, a moral difference, a philosophical difference, a difference in honesty. This is just so gross. Hey, here's a question. Do you think these two cases of nepotism, of hiring family members for sweet gigs, instead of hiring the best person for the job, do you think these are the only two times Andrew Scheer has done this in his 16 years? in public life? Or do you think there just might be other little time bombs ready to explode? Whenever the Liberals or the media party think it's an opportune time to release them, just like they wanted to change the channel on the Liberal uh, MP hiring her sister. So that's the risk. See, Justin Trudeau is crooked. That's a fact. He's being convicted again and again of breaking the conflict of interest laws. We know Trudeau's corrupt. But in the case of Yasmin Mutanzi, he can honestly say that he cracked down on his corrupt MP immediately. He, he actually did. But Aaron O'Toole can't say the same thing, can he? Because he, he didn't. Andrew Scheer is still sitting in the front bench of the Conservatives, stinking up the joint. Why? 
Is it Andrew Shear's massive, deep love amongst party members for him? No, no, they don't, they don't love him. Remember, Andrew Shear just got 21% of the party's votes on the first ballot in the leadership uh, three years ago. No one <laughs> wanted Andrew Shear as their first choice or, or their second choice or their third choice or their fourth choice. Actually, he didn't win until the 13th ballot. Nobody wanted Andrew Shear. There was never any sheer mania, sheer momentum. No one knew him, and that was part of the problem. No one knew what a little grifter he is, what a little thief. Well, then why keep him? Unlike an actual parliamentary workhorse like Pierre Polyev, Andrew Shear hasn't done a thing in the past year except collect his paycheck. So if there is no Andrew Shear wing of the party to be appeased, if Andrew Scheer is not doing anything useful in Parliament, why? Why keep this ticking moral time bomb with who knows how many other corruption scandals left to explode? Why give up the moral high ground against Trudeau? Every time he stands up, if I was a liberal, I'd mock his theft. I think Andrew Scheer should have been given the boot long ago. His last appearance on Rebel News proved he's a bit of a coward when it comes to expressing true conservative ideas. His boycotting of Rebel News and having David Menzies arrested shows his moral character. He, he would sell out his allies to try to appease his enemies. It didn't work. So I don't get it. What is the possible reason that Aaron O'Toole doesn't fire Andrew Scheer from his shadow cabinet to set a new ethical standard for the conservatives? I think it's one of Aaron O'Toole's first tests, don't you? Will he allow a front bench MP to tarnish the party's reputation like this, is Aaron O'Toole really this indecisive? Is he afraid of the media party? The media would love for Andrew Scheer to stick around. He's a walking, talking refutation of the conservative claim to clean governing. Yeah, I think it's time Aaron O'Toole fired that little grifter, Andrew Scheer. What do you think? Stay with us for more. Hi there, would you be able to tell us why Dominion Voting gave so much money to Hillary Clinton? Would you be able to explain that to me? She did have a Dominion Voting tag there. Very luckily, we were invited in by a friendly individual who works in this building, not for tides and not for Dominion Voting, but he wanted us to be in where it's warm while we asked folks coming into work on this early Toronto morning what Dominion Voting was doing when they donated almost $50,000 to Hillary Clinton. And I didn't make that up, the document is right here. It's almost too crazy to believe that an organization that we trust to be impartial, that controls the integrity of the ballots in dozens of jurisdictions, from New Brunswick to New York, Dominion Voting has their hands on ballots across the world. And we are supposed to trust them that they're handling those with integrity. Why did they decide that Hillary Clinton was deserving of so much cash? So you can see that there is indeed a Unit 360. You can see it right here. Uh, but for some reason on their front display, they've removed Unit 360 uh, and 370. So that's Tides and Dominion Voting. But somebody here with, from, that's with you from Dominion yeah. Voting, the cabinet. Could you tell us one thing though? Um, there's 
we know that Dominion voting is unit 360, uh, and right next to them at 370 is Tides. And on this, on this here, this board, it's been removed, and we're wondering why that was removed. What that sort was of removed at the request of the tenant? So that was removed at the request of the tenants. Why are they afraid to know that they're sharing office? Why do you think they're afraid Please to know? Leave. Yeah, yeah, certainly we will. We're just wondering why Let's they're. We're just wondering why they don't want people to know that are they're sharing office space. We're, just, we're we're curious to know, and lot, like millions of people are interested to know why they're hiding that they're sharing office no space. That's, I'm just a, I'm just a tenant. I mean, I'm just a building manager. Right? Certainly. You're not supposed to be in here recording. Secondly, you're on. You're not wearing your mask. So. I wasn't wearing my mask, so we're uh, getting kicked out here. Well, that's our own Kean Bexty in the streets of Toronto. What a delight to have the Prairie Boy out here in the big smoke. Kean, good for you. You know, it's so funny, Dominion Voting Systems, it's all over the news in the United States. Um, but you were the first journalist in America or Canada who thought, well, maybe I'll just go visit their head office. It's based here in Canada. Well, it's not so weird that it even is in Canada. Mm. Um, the, this company that has an ungodly amount of control over the American, uh, who sits in the Oval Office, really. They, they'll they'll want to say, no, we're impartial. We have nothing to do with the results. But in, in reality, they control what's on the inside of these boxes that are so easily hackable that have sh uh, that we've shown, not, not us here at Rebel News, but it's been shown that 3,000 votes in Michigan County were swapped just by accident. They say it was human error, but what does that mean if it keeps happening over and over again? So yeah, I, I figured it was time to go to their headquarters here in Toronto and ask a few questions. Of course, they weren't too interested in me, uh, me being there, but we got the story out nonetheless. Yeah, lots of private security uh, uh, police, they hired police yep. as private security. I know that is a thing, but it struck me as a bit odd. Um, I guess they knew they were gonna be under some scrutiny. Mm -hmm. Although, had you not been there, I don't think they really would have been. I saw Joe Warmington did a tweet yeah. about it, but I haven't seen any journalists go and talk to them, and they've sort of kept their head down. Elections Canada, interesting enough, published a tweet saying, we got nothing to do with this company. For a hundred years, we've counted ballots mm -hmm. by paper. And I think that's the right way to go. Some things you want low tech, because yeah. a lot of the jiggery pokery, cyber crime, cyber attacks, hacking, that only happens when you go high tech. You can't really hack a pencil and a paper. Yeah, no, uh, and actually there's a hilarious John Oliver uh, clip on this. He spent 20 minutes last year telling everyone when he was worried that Donald Trump was going to win again before coronavirus, when he was going to slam dunk this election. Uh, he's, he wanted to cast as much doubt as possible on Dominion voting, and rightfully so, because it is really just this black box uh, where you don't know what's, uh, you don't know what happens to your ballot. You have no trust in it after it goes into this box. Yeah, and I mean, we have yet to see the case made by Trump's lawyers in full. Sidney Powell, uh, who was General Flynn's lawyer, who's been doing the media circuit, she's telling extraordinary stories about the corruption she's, she's thing, uh, she is seeing. And a lot of Trump partisans certainly hope she's right that we can overturn the election. I uh, am a Trump supporter, you know, vicariously up here in Canada, but I ha I've, part of me is skeptical that these that there is quite as much fraud as she says, but she says a lot of it is because these voting machines allow people to change votes after the fact, mm -hmm. to um, add votes, things that you just couldn't do in a paper basis. Very, very odd. Well, this it goes back to what we were seeing on election night when in Wisconsin uh, and Michigan, it seemed like more people were voting than there were people even in certain counties. It uh, seemed like, uh, 
the results that the press, who let's we can't say that they're not you know com complicit or complacent in any of this, they they were reporting numbers that the Michigan uh, Secretary of State was reporting were, was inaccurate. Mm. Uh, they were reporting that over. I think it was 100,000 more votes had been counted and tabulated than even the Secretary of State of that very state said at that time. So, I mean, this election, there, it certainly needs to be uh, audited. It needs to, there needs to be recounts in certain places for sure, which we're seeing now that there will be in two, uh, two Wisconsin counties. And good for them for doing that. Donald Trump actually paid $3 million to get that done. Uh, it, it needs to be audited because Unfortunately, they don't have elections like we do in Canada, where where the ballots are paper. You can you can go back and look at those ballots two weeks later and see, okay, this was clearly a vote for this person. Uh, yeah. And unfortunately, the United States doesn't do that. I've heard strange things, and again, these haven't been fully tested in the courts, but that you can buy a voting machine online, like on eBay or, mm -hmm. or whatever. Uh, that strikes me as odd. I mean, the idea that you would make a number vulnerable to not just an outside hacker like like China or North Korea or Iran or Israel, like who is the cyber security giants in the world? I think I've just listed some of them. Mm -hmm. But you know, we, we're worried about online fraud. We're worried about that in our banking. I mean, people are still slightly hesitant about online banking. But imagine something far more valuable than money. Who is the president of the United States? It's insane to me that they would allow that to be in some black box that mm -hmm. only a few people have access to, or, it, or do they? Or yeah. do more people have access to it? We don't know. What's interesting to me is this company's based in Canada. That's weird. So I think, well, where's their data stored? Is it on the cloud? If so, is that in China? Or is that on a neutral company like Google and Amazon? So many questions. But what's interesting is you went there, and let me just put on the screen here the corporate directory for the building, it's not a huge building, but one after another, the companies that all rent next to each other are hardcore left-wing activists, many of them funded by the Tides Foundation. In fact, until recently, the Tides Foundation, their office was right next to Dominion Voting. Um, you've got uh, feminist organizations, you've got LGBTQ2+ organizations, you've got um, Black Lives Matter style uh, ethnic grievance companies there, you've got global warming activist companies there. This is yeah. not a normal office no. tower in Toronto. Toronto's a huge city. The odds of Dominion voting being right in this left-wing hothouse, this mm -hmm. incubator, very fishy. It is. It's it's this hive of leftists. Uh, you know, you'll, you're you you're right. You went through the list. There's indigenous activists, eco activists, LGBT activists, and Black Lives Matter type style organizations. Then you have Tides, an organization funded by George Soros. And then, last but not least, you have the company in control of the American presidential yeah. election. It's just. It's t you know these days. I mean, there is such a thing as a coincidence. But in this situation, with these stakes, you can't just say, oh, it's a coincidence mm -hmm. that Dominion voting is nestled within this left-wing incubator, yeah. which is really what this building is. Very interesting. Um, I should note that Tides reached out to us. They deny they take money from Soros. It's a very strange denial because yeah. Soros likes to boast about his funds, and, uh, and there's records of at least $22 million going from his Open Societies Foundations to Tides. Mm -hmm. Um, is San Francisco, and the Tides Canada was sort of an offshoot or a spin-off or a subsidiary. 
They, um, they, in fact, they also denied that they even know, knew who Dominion voting was until yeah. now. You know what? I just, I mean, uh, in the interest of fairness, we'll, you know, we'll tell you their point of view. I, I find it lacks credibility. Um, very, very strange things. And I like the fact that Little Rebel News covered this, but what, you think the CBC was going to cover no, this? They, of course they not. don't want any news about this. No, the CBC is too busy uh, trying to talk about Joe Biden's transi yeah, transition exactly. team and, you know, really jumping the gun on a bunch of things. So yeah. uh, I'm glad we were able to cover that story and there will be more to come. All right. Well, good work on that, Kian. There you have it, folks. Stay with us. Hey, welcome back. Bruce writes, excellent episode. I thank you for having the guts to report on things the mainstream media in Canada will not. I think you're talking about the Great Reset Canada 2030. It's very troubling to me, and it's no small bother to me that the Conservatives, including Stephen Harper, at least to some degree, were part of it. Heidi writes, Ezra, thank you. The first part of your show taught me so much. I will have to watch again and study. Love the old English, old French from the 1200s. I love it too. And I apologize for going down little rabbit holes like that. But it's important to know where we come from. And it's important to know that these ideas we have, privacy, property, rule of law, limiting the king, these aren't just fashions or fads. We learned all this the hard way. Over centuries, even over millennia, this was made a strong. Imagine throwing that away because some weird group of oligarchs says to. Daniel writes, Rebel reports lots of things. They make it up, which is why real media would not report it. Well, I disagree with you. Uh, one of the things I love about TV, I, I started as a newspaper guy 30 years ago. You know, I was writing for newspapers when I was in college, writing for the Calgary Sun, Edmonton Sun, uh, the Fredericton Daily Gleaner. Literally, I was a 20-something uh, schoolboy, and I had this little syndicate I was writing. That was before the age of the Internet. So only in the last 5, 10 years have I gotten to the TV business. It's Sun News, I guess. And what I love about the TV business is you can, instead of footnoting, when you're writing a newspaper article, you have a footnote. On a blog, you can link something. But when you're in the TV business, you can show on the screen proof of what you're saying. It's like a visual fact check, a visual footnote. And you'll notice that in any given monologue, we have 10, 20, even more visual footnotes, visual proof points, evidence for what we say. We show a clip, we excerpt from a report. So if you say I got a fact wrong, I'll accept your criticism and I'll look to see. But simply saying I make things up, I don't buy it. In fact, the opposite. I think I show my facts more than most reporters do. That's my show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night. Keep fighting for freedom.